the need for someone to know exactly what is taking place and why and how to fix it, that's never going to go away because it's, it's shelter, right? It's a basic human need, as, as we, we talked about on the mm-hmm. phone. They're always going to need carpenters. They're always going to need plumbers and electricians and all of these, you know, mechanics, all these people, these jobs, they need, they, they're never going to go away. And we need to get more people interested. You guys know that's Ryan Smith, master craftsman. And you already know he loves his craft. But no matter what trade you're in, I think you should hear his perspective on what's going on in the skilled trades. And for those of you joining us for the first time, I'm Mike Kenoki. I'm a general contractor in Fairbanks, Alaska. And I started this podcast about a year ago now. And I've had incredible tradespeople, contractors, lots of amazing stories, discoveries, and I've learned a ton myself. But the bottom line is skilled trades are shrinking in the construction industry and the population is still growing. There's a housing crisis. You guys are all seeing it firsthand. I'm seeing it firsthand where I live. And my guests are on here to share what's going on where they live with you. It's not all bad. There's lots of cool stuff going on. Cool stuff like Ryan's roof cutting class and the picture of him standing in front of a pre-cut roof stacked. That's the cover art for the show. And also you could see it on Instagram. I want to ask you all a favor. Take a picture of this pod with your phone or of your stereo on your dashboard while you're driving or when you're at a stop sign or a light and post it somewhere and tag me. I'm the contracting handbook on Instagram. And there really wasn't a good way to pick up on things or learn or even see different ideas and techniques without reading, you know, an older book that's outdated or, you know, some sort of magazine article. You know, there's more than one way to town. You you can you can do the same job or task a hundred different ways. And I just really tried to zoom in on the way I do it because I was, I'm the instructor. So it it was easier for me to talk about my approach and my way of thinking and how I go about laying out a roof and then cutting it from the very first steps all the way through. Can you just kind of walk people through the process of what this looks like when you approach a foundation and walk away and cut a roof and come back later? So I mark up a set. I leave it there with the crew, the wall crew. They know what the wall dimensions are. We've already started square. So now they just have to maintain that as they build up, whether it's a ranch or a two-story. My passion is is in the roof. You know, the, the architects are drawing some really interesting designs these days and they're, and they're hard, you know, they're, they're very complex and it's fun. It's like a big puzzle, right? And to figure it out and then go ahead and cut it and then watch it all go together. It's, it just makes it worth it every time. I think that's true for anyone who works in this industry, right? We're visual people. Yeah. We're builders. But my my whole goal was just self-betterment. I wanted to understand my craft, you know, as much as I could, and I'm still Mm -hmm. learning. So what were you like as an apprentice then? Uh, as an apprentice, I was, well, when I first started, I was kind of like most of, I was horrible. Everything you could do wrong, <laughs> I did it wrong. <laughs> I, I invented mistakes that aren't even possible. <laughs> so, yeah, and then, and then I saw other guys a little bit older than me 
right? And I'm like, man, he's so good. He's so fast. He, like, it's like, it's all just automatic. Like, he pulls his tape out. He's cutting this. He's over there. Like, he's building walls faster than me. He's stronger than me. He's smarter than me. And I started to really push myself, right, to play up, you know, to the competition. And it's just stuck with me. I still, to this day, drive down the street, and I'm not probably the best driver because I'm looking at roof lines, right, not the traffic in front of me. It's horrible. <laughs> but it is what it is. Why do skill trades matter? That's a great question. You know, 30, 40 years ago, every job site was full of craftsmen. I mean, these guys had pride and they had skill and knowledge about their craft. And, and that is going away. And it, it seems to be going away at a very fast pace. And it, and it makes me nervous and actually sad. I do want to teach other people, you know, as much as I can. I want to leave my mark. I'm not willing to just throw all that to the wind and say, yeah, call the trust plant. Uh, I'll never change on that. It's okay to not be okay sometimes. That's normal. And you just have to know that, you know, some some days are are kind of gray and rainy and other days it's, you know, a sunny day on the beach. And those are just seasons of life. And, you know, you just have to know you're not alone and that you're not weird. You know, soldiers on the ground, uh, so to speak, pushing and advocating and, you know, talking about it. You know, nobody ever talked about things for years, like you just said. So it's cool oh, yeah. that you're finding people willing to share. That's uh this is new. No, I'll be tuning in a lot more. If I listened to a few of them the other day, it was great. A lot of good conversations. It's very eye-opening and inspirational, you know, which is cool. cool. We gotta, we're all in this together, right? We gotta stick together. everybody welcome back to the contracting handbook my next guest is an mt copeland instructor and an advocate to keep the trades alive he hand cuts all his roofs before getting on top it's ryan smith the roof slayer how's it going today ryan good how are you mike doing great good to see you again yeah you too you too um so let's get right into this uh, this roof cutting class that you've got going on with MT Copeland. I saw a little bit of the previews on their Instagram page. Uh, they got a lot of cool stuff going on there. Yeah. Uh, why should someone take, why should someone take these classes? Uh, knowledge, right? Um, I mean, let's face it. There's not a, a lot of information out there to educate, you know, a tradesperson person uh, that, that works on a framing crew such as myself or, or a mason or an electrician or you know any of the trades so what copeland is doing is kind of streamlining information from the craftsmen in these in these different fields which 
I jumped right on board as soon as I, I kind of saw what they were about and, and talking to them further. And it's been an incredible experience. Um, and I feel really good, you know, standing behind them with what they're doing because to me, it is important. You know, I'm 40 now and I've been in the trade since the late nineties and there really wasn't a good way to pick up on things or learn or even see different ideas and techniques without reading, you know, an older book that's outdated or, you know, some sort of magazine article. The internet wasn't really a big thing in the beginning for me. It was kind of still being developed. So YouTube and all that just wasn't there. And even with that being said, this topic specifically roof cutting and roof framing, there is not a lot of information even on YouTube. There's you'll get a lot of hits, you'll get a lot of rafter video hits, but they're kind of all the same. And it's all more the, the easier side of uh, that aspect of the trade. So with with Copeland, I tried to capture my system the way I approach it, which, you know, there's more than one way to town, you, you can you can do the same job or task a hundred different ways. And I just really tried to zoom in on the way I do it because I was, I'm the instructor. So it, it was easier for me to talk about my approach and my way of thinking and how I go about laying out a roof and then cutting it from the very first steps all the way through, you know, to the actual cutting part before, uh, before you climb up top and nail it together. So it's an awesome experience. They're very, very professional. It was very humbling to, um, to meet the people on the film crew and Gabe, you know, the, the owner and all the people that, that work with him. They're just, it's been absolutely incredible. And you, as you've seen the teaser videos, I mean, they're second to none. It's a real production and the delivery is there. I've watched, a lot of their courses from other instructors and it's just amazing it, it really is the whole they're really onto something absolutely it's a lot different feeling than watching a guy on youtube you know doing voiceovers with his gopro footage and that stuff's great too but the way they're presenting the uh the courses and the way the footage is filmed it's it's a lot more intimate i guess would be the word but yeah, great, great course. Uh, I felt good about it. Everything that I included, um, and I, like I said, I've watched it, I don't know, a dozen times or so throughout the editing process and, and getting it to launch. So it's had a lot of good feedback and hopefully it helps um, young guys coming up and, and even older guys like myself that, you know, w- want to try something different or, Maybe they met a barrier, you know, with their skill set and, and and that course could help maybe knock that down or or bring up a younger person that, that's interested because it's it isn't, you know, the most common way anymore um, with these panelized homes and the onset of roof trusses and whatnot. You know, I know that's very common in a lot of parts of the country, even yeah. in the world. Yeah. Go ahead. And, go ahead. And, oh no, and I, 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 I 
I was just going to talk about the show a little bit because I or the 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 classes because I have seen the uh, the teasers and they're they're really well done. Um, I I can see how these classes be great. Um, you have an excellent cadence for teaching the way you speak too. So, well, thank um, you. yeah. And what I was wondering is for those people who are just listening right now and don't really know all about you, you know, Ryan's, Ryan's get, getting on walls and taking measurements you're not even on the walls. You're on the, you're on the ground, on the concrete telling guys, like we were talking about, this is your plate length. And then you're running your numbers off that. I can't imagine. I'm not a great, I'm, I'm framed, but I'm not Joe Framer, but you know, the walls gotta be perfectly plumb level and square. Yes. We all know how that can be. Right. So, um, so I guess what I'm trying to get at is like, can you just kind of walk people through the process of what this looks like when you approach a foundation and walk away and cut a roof and come back later? What I always say is it, it's just a way of thinking. Um, it's, it might be a little different than the norm or what you're used to or what the industry is kind of used to. But when I walk up to a foundation and I'm going to frame the house or I'm, I'm responsible for cutting the roof, there's a foundation poured here. We have full basements. We don't really do slab on grade. So we have foundation walls and then we start with a sill plate, you know, a piece of treated and then we do our floor and, and away we go like everyone else. But so the, the first thing I do is, is I, I look at the foundation plan and the first floor plan and I kind of wrap my head around I try to make squares or rectangles out of the shape. So when I'm standing on the foundation or, or I'm walking around the outside, I've already got a good idea of where my long walls are and where is a good point for me to start pulling a square to get the foundation all squared up, right? Using right triangle math. So that's the first step. I kind of game plan it as I'm walking up to it. I get up there, you start pulling your tape, you know, and the dimensions sometimes will vary from the drawings, uh, which is fine. Sometimes we have to adjust. Um, a lot of the homes that we're framing here, they have full bed stone. So in or out on the foundation doesn't really matter because it's getting stone, you know, at least halfway up or up to the first floor windowsill. In a lot of cases, it goes clear up to the soffit line. So I don't worry so much about that like I used to. I used to really split hairs like, well, it's, the plate's going to hang out a quarter here. It'll be in a quarter of an inch at this end, you know. So it's got to be square, like you said, or as close to square as you can possibly make it, given the, the foundation you're working on. And I've seen some bad ones. I've seen some really good ones. The end result is always the same if you if you put the time in and you're thorough with your dimensions and your measuring and the lines you're snapping for the plating. So from there, I then, I start to record what those dimensions are. Basically the exterior or the outside shape of whatever it is we're building. I'll record those on the foundation wall with a lumber crayon, like a piece of keel. So that way when the guys are rolling floor joists and they're putting the rim board on, they can just look down and it says 15 foot six. Now, if the green board is off a little bit and it's 
15 foot six and an eighth, you know, because say, say the tree that is five and five eighths instead of five and a half. So there's a little growth there. They'll know to cut that rim board at 15 foot six. That way we, we are keeping the dimensions that we've squared true with our actual floor framing. So then that, that carries around the whole floor system and, and the sheets get dropped. I used to always check again once we had the deck done and I kind of got away from that because as I said, it's it, it's something we control. So if, if it's supposed to be 16 feet, you just make it 16 feet, it's, it's that simple. So as you're working around the house and you're laying out your walls and you're doing your plating and you're detailing your plates on your first floor system, you're mindful of those dimensions. So I mark up a set. I leave it there with the crew, the wall crew. They know what the wall dimensions are. We've already started square. So now they just have to maintain that as they build up, whether it's a ranch or a two-story. Sometimes, once in a while, there's an unforeseen or there's a change after the house gets started and I might be well into cutting the roof. And at that point, we just, we deal with it as, as best we can. Like if, if a dimension changes that, that really matters, sometimes I'll have to go back and recut a small section of roof. Um, usually it's not a big deal. Um, anything that changes the roof is typically an exterior uh, dimension. So anything that happens on interior walls rarely, rarely affects the roof other than like a point load or a propping location for a hip or a valley. I mean, we run into that, but it's just, it's important to start square and finish square, <clears throat> you know, and I get asked, well, what if the house is out of level? We, we all know foundations aren't perfect. This is true. Um, there's a few builders that we work for where we actually we shoot grade when we're framing the floor. So each joist will get shimmed up, right? So we're building a perfectly level first floor deck, which is great. And he's an amazing builder to work for. He doesn't do a lot of homes here in the area every year, but the ones he does are definitely the most fun and they're super cut up always. But he's, uh, he's an old school carpenter and he's kind of set in his ways. He's a great guy. As far as the uh, being out of level a little bit, you don't really pick up on it too bad. Um, I've never seen anything worse than a quarter, maybe three eighths of an inch, you know, over a hundred feet. So up top when you're nailing stuff together, I, I make marks on all my ridge boards, you know, my broken hips and where they're going to hit and valleys and whatnot. If an area is really bad, that's where you'll see it. It'll, it'll sit a little bit off the line, but it's still in plane. It's just, you know, the whole building is sitting the same distance out of level as, as it started. So it kind of all just grows together. Um, that's it. Once I, once I realized that, you know, like why, why can't I start cutting the roof when, when they're framing the first floor deck? Why can't I get a jump on this now? Why, why do I have to wait until the walls are up? I already know the dimensions. So once I kind of pushed myself through that and did it a few times, I got more com comfortable with it. And then seeing the roof go together with no problems, you know, that was the end result. And it was a confidence builder and it kind of, 
it, it ensured me that I, I was thinking along the right lines and that it can work so long as, as you know, attention and care is given during the building process. I mean, I've cut, a, I think, three roofs before the foundation was um, stripped for a house and all three went together just fine. And for the listener and for the listeners out there, I just want to verify, like, you're not, you're not framing the whole house. You're just cutting the roofs. Yeah, correct. Which is another thing that's probably unusual for a lot of us out there. You know, we're yeah, going, we hire, a, like I'm a GC, I hire a framer. Right. Well, yeah. It's, and we, so where I, where <laughs> I live, there's a particular, uh, contractor that I have a great relationship with. He keeps me very busy, but I still go out and, uh, you know, put floor frame floors. Uh, I try not to bend over and, and bang walls together too much. I, I kind of did starting that for a lot starting of Starting to feel that? Starting to feel that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm, I'm certainly more efficient and better used uh, doing something else. So, but yeah, I'll do whatever it takes. You know, I'm not too proud to pick up a broom either. It's just my passion is is in the roof. You know, the the architects are drawing some really interesting designs these days, and they're and they're hard. You know, they're they're very complex and it's fun. It's like a big puzzle, right? And to figure it out and then go ahead and cut it and then watch it all go together, it's it just makes it worth it every time. So it just kind of happened that way. Yeah. And, and that's, I want to circle back to the beginning there kind of, because one of the things you pointed out right off the bat, late nineties, there wasn't really a way to learn. And I was working for a framer then. And there was a lot of like, you know, he's up there and I'm down here. So for the next guy to learn, you, you either had to have a book and at the time there were not great illustrations and I'm very, you know, I, I can read something over and over and not comprehend it. You yeah, know what me I mean? When it, when it comes to something like that. Sure. Me too. Yeah. So I think that's so, true for anyone who works in this industry, right? We're visual people. Yeah. We're builders. Yeah. And, and so I, I think this, uh, the stuff that MT Copeland is doing is just great. It's such a neat new approach. And I agree, like the YouTube videos are great, all that. But, but you know, having the light right, having everything so you can really focus on what is being shown is, mm -hmm. is also great for our attention spans. Yes. Because, yes. You know, a flicker in the side can just get your thoughts going. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, their whole approach to that is, I mean, they're, they're, they're good at what they do. Like I said, it was, it was very humbling to see that many talented people in one building for an mm -hmm. entire week. It was, it was almost, it was almost too much for my little mind to digest. <laughs> like, Holy cow. How could they be this good at this? And like, they made me feel comfortable right away. I mean, we were into it for five or 10 minutes and, and the production manager, Joey, he's a great guy. Like he's a pro through and through. Like I felt like I was with a bunch of friends and forgot all about the cameras. And, and we were able to, uh, I was able to focus on, you know, the material we were, we were shooting to cover that, that week they were here. So yeah, 
I, I really hope uh, they're very successful with this because the trades need it and we need it bad. And hopefully they'll be, they'll, they'll kind of help lead, lead the charge with the uh, education for the trades, you know? That's, that's really neat. Um, and, and kind of, again, it goes back to how things used to be where we're just kind of alone learning stuff. You were, you didn't have like, if you found someone to work with or, or learn from, you were fortunate, you know, cause we just didn't have those ways to communicate. Yeah. Yeah. There was, uh, <laughs> when I started it, it was a whole different industry. Uh, you know, lots of yelling. <laughs> I mean, every, everything has changed the, the labor, the type of person that's doing the work, the, uh, the employers, the whole, the whole game, even the material. I mean, we're using material now that wasn't even around uh, when I started wearing a tool belt. So it's been a cool ride and it's been neat to see it all. But at the same time, you know, I'm slowing down enough and I'm getting old enough to see, you know, I, I kind of stop and smell the roses as they say, and look back and, and say, wow, we are in a whole different world in the building trades than we were when I started. So just, I, I think we need to kind of catch up to that curve a little bit and, and try to stay out in front um, for the, you know, future generations. Cause it's, it's shelter, right? It's a basic human need as, as we, we talked about on the mm -hmm. phone, they're always going to need carpenters and they're always going to need plumbers and electricians and, all of these, you know, mechanics, all these people, these jobs, they need, they, they're never going to go away and we need to get more people interested, um, which that seems to be the challenge. It's, it's, it's really hard. You know, I'll, I'll go to Tim Hortons on my way to the job and they're hiring and, and their starting pay is, I mean, it's phenomenal. It took me years to make what, what they're paying kids to go make a cup of coffee now you know, when I started. And so that, that demand is being met, you know, on site. When you get a kid coming out of high school and you somehow reel them in and sucker them into taking a job, you got to pay them a lot more than, than what you and I would have started at. You know, that's just kind of where, where things are. And it's kind of a tough thing to swallow because, you know, we put we put a lot of time and effort into things and then just to see it all change and I feel like it changed so fast I don't know how I missed it but that's the feeling I get like one day not so long ago you know I would buy like a flip phone from the store or throwaway run an ad in the newspaper and field all my calls with that because the volume of phone calls was just absolutely absurd you know hundreds of phone calls now you run an ad and you get maybe two or three. And then, you know, you talk to them, it sounds great. And then they don't show up to the job. So it's like, I don't know when that actually happened, but it seems to me, it seems like it happened very quickly. That or I wasn't paying attention, but <laughs> I don't know. It scares me though. It, it really does. I mean, I, I'm around kind of the same seven or eight guys um, on that particular framing crew I was talking about, and none of them show any interest in learning what I'm doing. So it's, it's kind of alarming, you know, 
mm. for the most part i'm i'm kind of in it by myself I, I have a friend of mine um nick ridge he's california boy roof cutter everybody knows who nick ridge is he illustrated the roof cutter secrets which is a good book um which i haven't even actually read the whole thing but from what i've, I've read it's a great book but He's like one of the only people I have to talk to about roof cutting. It's the interest isn't, isn't there, mm -hmm. which it's strange to me because if we go back in time, 20, 30 years, which isn't really that long ago, everybody was cutting rafters. They weren't using trusses yet. And we've gone kind of way over to the other side. So I don't know. Maybe I just got good at something that nobody is interested in anymore, unfortunately. I still think it's cool, but. <laughs> well, yeah, and I'm going to, well, we're going to come back to some of this stuff with the prefab in a little bit, because I, and, and trusses and, um, because one of the things that I think is fascinating that you told me about the other day or yesterday is that you're pre-cutting a roof for a house that's hundreds of miles away from me right now. Yeah, that's coming and up here. So just give us a little info on that. Yeah, yeah why not? Uh, I mean, we, so that was kind of, that's been my goal here for the last couple of years. And I haven't really tried to market it or advertise it much. You know, I cut some uh, plenty of roofs right here in my backyard. And um, I thought, why not? You know, we just did a little filler house about a month ago. I shared some of that on Instagram. We were waiting on a foundation to get ready. So we took this small house and it was trusses, right? We were late to the game. Normally, if we get a set of drawings to bid the house and it's drawn with trusses, we either just won't bid it or we'll request that it gets drawn for stick framing. And nine out of 10 times that goes our way and we end up sticking it which is more cost effective um, here anyways. I, I'm told different that's different in other uh, regions, but I haven't really looked into that. I know for a fact to use roof trusses here where I live, it, it's markedly more money than it is to buy uh, the lumber and stick frame it. But anyways, yeah, um, to cut a roof and ship it, you know, miles away is no different than a truss plant dropping off a a big pile of trusses on a job site they're doing it and they're doing it to a subpar level of quality in my opinion and i know many people who use them and love them would still agree with me like they're you hook on the bottom cord of a stack of roof trusses and maybe two or three out of 40 are the same dimension so if they can do it why couldn't we do it on the custom end of things that's kind of my way of thinking there wasn't much more to it than that. I enjoy it. And, and if, if there is a market for it, um, then yeah, I'm all in. I love doing it. So why not? So you're shipping this roof out. Where, when did you actually do your first roof calculation? Uh, like <clears throat> in general, like the, the system that I'm using now. Sure. Uh, I don't know, I'd say probably seven or eight years ago was the first oh. time I tried to pre-cut. Uh, it actually started with um, just a section of roof on a house we were framing. And 
the plan view, I stress that in the, uh, the MT Copeland course and how important that is. And that's kind of like, that's like the key that unlocks all of the, the locks that you find on a, a, a custom designed roof is, is developing and understanding the plan view and then how to view that and use it to help determine um, rafter lengths, actual lengths up on the roof. And you can do all that from, from a drawing on a, a four by four piece of plywood or, or paper. I use paper now, a big roll of paper, just so I can save them. But for many years, it was just done on a piece of plywood on the job site, you know, and I'd throw it in the trailer every day after work. So, you know, it didn't get rained on and snowed on and whatnot, but so yeah, it's seven or eight years ago. And uh, the first, the first actual attempt was a hip rafter and one hip and the jack rafters on either side. We had the whole roof together and we were coming out over the garage, the, kind of the last section of the roof. And I figured, why not? Let's see if I'm thinking right about this. And uh, I tried it and it, it worked good enough. It wasn't perfect, but because I tried it, I was able to recognize my errors and where I had made mistakes and miscalculations. So then I, th that really caught my interest in myself and I, I started taking it home with me. Uh, and I spent many, many nights in my garage or even at the kitchen table um drawing drawing you know plan views uh zooming in and just just drawing little sections of them and how a broken hip would interact with a ridge or a broken hip in a valley etc lot, lots of different little scenarios that we find um in in most roofs so yeah. i just kind of i kept going with it you know and pushing myself it, there was never really any end goal other than i just wanted to know what was taking place up top and how I could understand it better and be a more effective and efficient carpenter. That was really always my intent. That was it. I mean, you know, Instagram kind of turned, turned that into a different thing, which was mind blowing for me, but there's a great community on there and a lot of people, a lot of good craftsmen I see on there and a lot of good framers and, you know, tile setters even. I mean, it's, it's incredible. It's a very humbling platform for sure, but some good people. But my, my whole goal was just self-betterment. I wanted to understand my craft, you know, as much as I could. And I'm still mm -hmm. learning even today. So it's, it keeps things interesting for sure. So what were you like as an apprentice then? Uh, as an apprentice, I was, well, when I first started, I was kind of like most of, I was horrible. Everything you could do wrong, <laughs> I did it wrong. <laughs> I, I invented mistakes that aren't even possible. <laughs> one, one, uh, one specific, two things actually have, have stuck in my mind over the years. Um, first framing crew, boss leaves. All right, I want you to get all these hangers on, all these joists, you know, and then clean up and get the trailer loaded up, whatever. Awesome. He leaves. I'm a ball of fire. I throw like 40 or 50 joist hangers on all of them upside down. Right. Cause I'm, I'm a 17 year old dumb kid. 
so I, I load all the tools up. Everything's great. Have a have a weekend. I come back in Monday, and he was not happy. <laughs> so I learned how a joist hanger was supposed to be installed because I had to take all of those off and reuse them with my cat's paw nail puller. Right? It was horrible. Then the same guy. I think that was, maybe that was hundreds and hundreds of Tico nails you had to back out. Oh, that's some yeah, probably had some bloody knuckles going on, huh? Oh, yeah, I was cursing the world. I'm like, no, maybe I'm not cut out for this. <laughs> but then I looked at it and I'm like, you know, this doesn't even make sense the way you did it. Like, turn your brain on, dummy. Why would I mean, what good are these doing upside down, right? So that that was a lesson learned. And then another time, uh, I was young. 18, 19, they sent me to the lumberyard to get a box of siding. And then, I don't know, it was like three square, right? So so two square came in a box and then I had some loose pieces. So I throw them up on top of the guy's workman and I'm hauling ass back to the job site, all proud of myself. Like I got everything we need <laughs> and all the loose pieces had folded completely in half and were useless from the wind blowing them because I didn't strap mm -hmm. them down. Right? Mm -hmm. So I got back to a very, very unhappy boss <laughs> yet again. And he was convinced that I was the dumbest person in the world and I believed him. <laughs> I was like, yes. Yeah, I didn't put a lot of thought into that. So. But through that, you know, it, it, it was, it's kind of like a young kid and their, their mom or their dad, you know, we mentioned that on the phone. I didn't like the feeling of letting my boss down. And he was good about letting me know when I was doing a good job. And he was also good at letting me know when I wasn't. And I, I enjoyed doing better, that feeling, much more than when I wasn't, you know, completely present uh in mind and body so yeah and then and i saw other guys a little bit older than me right and i'm like man he's so good he's so fast he like it's like it's all just automatic like he pulls his tape out he's cutting this he's over there like he's building walls faster than me he's stronger than me he's smarter than me and i started to really push myself right to play up you know to the competition and he kind of started i started to develop friendships and rapports with all the different guys on that that specific crew and um yeah after after a couple of years i i had developed a hunger for it and i wanted to know more and more i wanted to i wanted to be the guy the old guy out front at the horses that was kind of steering the ship who just had infinite knowledge and he could stand out in the yard while you stood a gable up and tell you when to nail the brace and you'd throw the level on it and it would be dead nuts plum. Like just amazing. It, it just, it captured me and I enjoyed it. You know, I got better at using the tools and hammer felt natural. You know, I could measure efficiently and, you know, but, but that's where my affliction with the roof framing kind of started because that part was <laughs> always awesome <laughs> and it was different on every house you know and we're going back you know late 90s early thousands so the walls were walls floors were floors but the roof was always was always different and I, I just enjoyed it and everybody that I worked with as a younger apprentice coming up you know all those guys liked it too so I knew I knew okay this is this is the spot up top so it just kind of 
it's just stuck with me. I still, to this day, drive down the street and I'm not probably the best driver because I'm looking at roof lines, right? Not the traffic in front of me. It's horrible, <laughs> but it is what it is. But yeah, a lot of, a lot of mistakes. And um, I just tried to get better from it. You know, nobody, it doesn't feel good to let someone down, especially your boss, you know? So that, that was kind of the way I was. I just wanted to make my boss happy. Then he would show me more. I could I could make more money. And, you know, I got enjoyment out of doing good at my job. You know, there's a sense of pride that comes with working with your hands. So absolutely. Kind of, yeah. I think I think that's a relatable uh statement for a lot of people out there in the trades who have come up and and are now leading. And, and it's different now because we are, we are struggling to find that new help. Um, do you like, before we get into that, do you like cutting or assembling more? Ooh, uh, that's a 50, 50 split from this guy. I love, you know what I like more than the cutting is the figuring. Mm. The cutting is fun. Um, it's more laborious, right? big, big, heavy LVLs, long two by eights and tens and twelves. But I do enjoy the cutting because it's like an art form when you get all done and you're looking at a properly cut hip rafter or a valley mm-hmm. rafter, you can, you can kind of grade yourself. I'm constantly, I'm like, I'm my worst critic. I'm so hard on myself. Uh, I'll slip through a cut a little bit and I'll take the line where I really didn't want to. And I know it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Most guys are framing to an eighth or a quarter of an inch, but it kind of brings me in. So, but I I like figuring. I love uh, stacking. I love nailing them together. Um, Probably more so not the actual action of installing them, but it's the relief when it all goes together. (laughs) That part I like. So, I don't know, 50-50. I like it all, but I, I would say figuring and you know, cutting or kind of, you know, I don't know. I have just as much fun up top. Like I look forward to that. And and we try, uh, we try to start fresh in the morning when, when it's going to be stacking day. Sometimes we get into it in the afternoon, but if, if I can, if I can hold off until the morning, get a fresh start, kind of get some rafters scattered about and some scaffolding set up and, just roll in and get right into it. Those are the best mornings for me. The sun shining, you know, sound of the tools. Everyone's busy. It's it's just great. It's an awesome feeling. Yeah, I think rolling out fresh in the morning with something new is always the best way. Yeah, because people are people are fading in the afternoon. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. They can keep on with coffee and <laughs> snacks, but they, yeah. you know, starting something new is tough for all of us in the afternoon. Oh, sure. Yep. Myself included. Um, okay. So this roof gets shipped somewhere. This is going to kind of segue into a bigger question, but are you assembling that roof where it's going or is it going to someone else's crew? No, it, uh, I will not be assembling. It will be going to someone else's crew. Um, which, which I do locally anyways, but this, this will be the first time it's, it's kind of long, long distance. So 
it's just the schematics of it really wouldn't allow me to be there. It's, you know, mm-hmm. ten hour, ten hour road trip. So uh, it's definitely different, but I'm ready for it. I, in fact, I got to kind of start thinking about cutting that one here in the next couple of weeks. And we just started a, a real big one here. So I kind of have a lot on my plate, but I enjoy it. So it's not really work, you know, it's fun, but definitely excited and uh, hoping to kind of create a, a small market for it because it is just me. Um, I could have, you know, help cutting, um, but the figuring and, and getting all the lengths, you know, predetermined beforehand, it's, there's kind of a learning curve there. I mean, I taught myself, it took me years and, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to share that knowledge with the, you know, MT Copeland and the two articles with fine home building, they, they touched on the same thing that was just, you know, in paper form, not a video, but mm-hmm. a lot of the same information is, is in there. So, yeah. Okay. So these guys, these guys get the roof, um, any sort of, uh, punch list or other things that need to be done. They're just, it's just on them. They just have to figure that stuff out. It's kind of standard yeah. issue. And then yeah. I do a phone, phone consultation, you know, around here, it's easy because you just jump in the truck and you're over there, you know, but, um, with, with something like this being so far away, um, you know, I've told them, listen, we can, we can do video chats, you know, yeah. kind of like we're doing now. Yeah. The whatever. technology's there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's definitely there. But yeah, it's kind of a, kind well, of this, a big deal. Yeah. This leads me into, and there's a move, you know, to automate and, and prefab and I've dealt with some prefab homes where I live. I've never built one, but I've fixed them. Um, <laughs> yeah. And same with me. So why do skill trades matter? That's a great question. And I think, it, I think that that whole idea is kind of, is being way overlooked, in my opinion. Now, there's a lot of smart people in this industry, and there's a lot of new techniques, and there's a lot of new products and materials that are showing up to our job sites, and you know, and we're we are applying different techniques, and we're arriving at different you know end products than we were just a decade ago or even five years ago, but the thing that gets me is I, I feel like they're, they're kind of forgetting that some of these products are actually removing the human factor or the, the craftsmanship from w- what's actually being sold, which is shelter, right? It's, 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 wall, it's floors, walls, and a roof, whether you, you live in a modest small home or a great big mansion, you know, the bones are all the same. It's just the scale is different. So, I think the skill in the trades has suffered tremendously just in my 22 year career so far. Um, I know some guys locally, even here, some friends of mine that, you know, they've been wearing a tool belt for as long as me and they, they couldn't lay out a simple little set of stairs 
to go from the garage up to the first floor deck or, you know, forget about figuring out a rafter or even cutting and, and assembling them. So I know that the technology is there with, you know, panelize this and that and, and the roof trusses, but they've, they kind of, they left a lot of people behind. And I, unfortunately, I, I think it was all in the name of profit which is sad because as I mentioned earlier, you know, 30, 40 years ago, every job site was full of craftsmen. I mean, these guys had pride and they had skill and knowledge about their craft. And, and that is going away. And it, it seems to be going away at a very fast pace. And it, and it makes me nervous and actually sad because, you know, I see it online. You know, I poke around on on Instagram and, and Facebook even once in a while. And, you know, they don't see it as a big deal because they're making money. They're 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 banging jobs out. You know, the, the businesses are are thriving or staying afloat. So there's no thought there because it's just one after another. But. There's always going to need the need for someone to know exactly what is taking place and why and how to fix it, that's never going to go away. And we just need more people that have a good understanding and are educated. You know, anybody can go smack track homes, you know, drop trusses on a, on a wall plate, you know, on a layout line and, and do all that. That's fine. That's fine. I, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that's anybody's game. What about the market where people like finer things and the craftsmanship? I mean, people still like nice homes. We, we build them all year round here. These, these roofs, you couldn't use trusses. They're, they're too complicated. It's just, it's not efficient time-wise, cost-effective, and even just the, the design and the roof lines they just can't be done with trusses. It's impossible. So there needs to be that craftsmanship and it needs to be pushed more and it needs to be talked about because far too many guys are out there pounding their chest. You know, they're the greatest contractor in the world and, and they probably are. They're probably killing it um, financially. But at the end of the day, can they come over to the other side and perform that work? And sadly, I say no, no, they couldn't. And I think that's a problem. I really do. We're 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 really separated. It's it's there's a big line that's been drawn, and then they coin it with uh, <clears throat> they kind of label it with production framing, right? Well, to me, all framing is production minded. Like, you know, time is money. It always will be, but the better you are and more skilled you are, the quicker you're going to, you're going to accomplish your tasks. So at the end of the day, your jobs are, are going to be done in a more timely fashion. And that's where the profit will come. Not necessarily coming from cutting corners and being, you know, a butcher or a hack, whatever, you know, people use the terms, but you can be paid very well and leave a good product behind and i think we're losing that i guess 
And it scares me because I do want to teach other people, you know, as much as I can. I want to leave my mark, but it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of people there that that want it. You know, I mean, there is. I, I'm, I've gotten a lot of feedback with Copeland and, and the articles of fine home building, but I get a lot of pushback, too. You know, these guys more or less making fun of it, like, oh, just throw trusses on it. Just do this. Like, dude, I've spent half of my life, <laughs> you know, working towards, you know, being as good as I could be as a framing carpenter. And I'm not willing to just throw all that to the wind and say, yeah, call the trust plant. Like, that's stupid. I'll never change on that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, the... The other guy I spoke with yesterday, one of the things he said was humans really appreciate something that's created by the human hand or something like that. It'll come. We'll, we'll hear his talk. It's, it's the week after you. It's Eric Ruggiero. Yeah. And, and, to uh, and um, I agree. I mean, I do trusses, but I, if someone wanted a cut roof, you could do it. I could find the yeah, and I I've got the the the, the talents here. We're yeah. not doing many. We're not doing a lot of cut roofs anymore. That's for sure. I, I see that change. Um, but I appreciate that you want to pass this on, and I it is it is uh kind of it is lamentable that you know in in your community there's not like three or four kids that want to learn it. Yeah, because when like you were saying when i was a kid you know like we're both saying when i was a kid because <laughs> we're that old now uh, <laughs> it was like this it's frustrating and it i don't is. know i don't know the solution we keep talking about it on the show and well they're, they're, everyone's so caught up in, in trying to make as much money as possible and so to me like yeah right i mean if it, you can measure success many different ways but these these trust companies i'm going to talk about specifically because i mean i'm a roof cutter right so i'm sorry if that upsets people but you keep using trusses you're leaving a lot of money on the table and you're giving it to the trust company when you could be keeping it you know in your business or your pocket by cutting the roof you know and then they they rationalize that and they're like, yeah, but I can do 10 more jobs a year if I use trusses. Well, like, yes, you can, but you could charge more and you wouldn't have to do 10 more houses and run, you know, your ass off all day like a madman to try to break even or put a little bit of money away. So that part, I'm, I'm totally dumbfounded with that argument. I think one of the greatest weaknesses of being self-employed contractor of any kind is is knowing what you're worth. Yeah. And and one of the things I try to equate it to when I'm, when I'm talking to people is if you do, if you can do something today that used to take you, let's say 21 days, and now you can do it in three, you should be charged it. You used to do it in 21 days hourly or something, right? You, you didn't know how to charge. So you charge $50 an hour and well, you should be charging at least that now, if you can do it in three days. And if people don't like it, you just explain. Yeah. Yeah. You do it. Like I it's I, the years. You're, you're paying it, for the years. And you're paying for the experience. Right. And right. and that's that's a weakness we all have. I mean, it's so easy sure. to just 
to to knock down the price because oh I okay you can have a better price but why you yeah know? yeah you know? it's and that's why we're it's such a widespread result with bidding work you know guys will be thousands and thousands of dollars apart on the same job you know and the overhead differences okay i get that but i mean a lot of guys are still framing houses for square foot prices you know and they're way far apart <laughs> it doesn't even make sense yeah it I, have, make sense. I have those discrepancies where i live yeah, um, well, yeah, I hear that all over the place. And we're shorthanded, but I keep saying that on the show over and over every week. We're shorthanded. We're shorthanded. People yeah, are same here. Um, let's talk about mental health for a second. Mental health needs to be talked about a lot more. Um, mm-hmm. It really does. I I, uh, I get horrible, horrible anxiety. Um. You know, sometimes it's like, like I got to adjust my breathing to calm myself down type of like, I get myself so worked up sometimes and I kind of always been that way, but I learned how to channel it and um, work was always uh, a nice release and an outlet for me. So I was fortunate for that, but yeah, mental health is no joke and it's a real thing. And and it's, it's kind of a taboo thing that nobody wants to talk about because they feel embarrassed or you know, maybe people won't understand, but I do. And, you know, I'm always open to anybody who, who wants to talk about that. You know, that, that could be a whole different <laughs> show, but yeah. Yeah. I'm That's definitely cool. going to do more about mental health and, uh, and that's what you just said is I'm so relatable for so many people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a crazy world. The crazy world a lot of uncertainty a lot of division you know there's so much divide these days it makes reality seem not so real sometimes there's yeah that's, people, you know. yeah the division sucks yeah it does yep we're all the same i know all the same <laughs> we're all the same we all need the same things yep yep that's crazy and this is a post-production edit because this conversation that Ryan and I had about mental health happened about 10 minutes after we said goodbye from the pod and then we just kept rambling. And I just want to add in that I suffer from severe depression at times and it's biological. It's genetic. But it's part of my life. And like Ryan says, It's okay to not be okay sometimes. That's normal. And you just have to know that, you know, some, some days are, are kind of gray and rainy and other days it's, you know, a sunny day on the beach. And those are just seasons of life. And, you know, you just have to know you're not alone and that you're not weird because I, I go through it too. Everybody I know goes through it and it's okay to talk about it. Definitely okay to talk about it. Makes me feel better when I talk about it. You know, if I have a bad day, I, I have a, a good friend of mine. He's actually the opposite of me. He has a demolition company, so he breaks stuff for a living. Mm. But if I'm having a really bad day, that dude can always bring me back to earth and, and give me perspective again and realize that, hey, things aren't so bad. You'll be fine. Tomorrow's another day. <laughs>
That's great, Ryan. That's a, that's cool that you have that friend too. A lot, oh, of people, yeah. a lot of people don't know to go to a friend. Yeah, you have to. We all need help. We all need help. Nobody's made out of steel. Which is no what you're doing here, right? We're, you're helping people. It's cool. I like it. We need more of that. Yeah, it's awesome. So you value the trades. Who is your mentor? Like if you can name one, I'm, I probably have five, but. Um, Boy, you know, I don't know if I could name just one. Uh, I had. All right. Let her rip. I've been, I've been lucky. So. Uh, a, a very good friend of mine to this day, we talk daily. Uh, we live in the same town. He, he's a carpenter and I kind of, he tucked me under his wing 20 years ago, but he's a good friend of mine. I was in his wedding. He was in my wedding. He taught me how to hustle and he taught me the most about having some pride, right? And how it's, it's cool to be good at what you do. Um, and his name is Jay Coglin. He's a great dude. One of the salt of the earth type of people. But a lot of the, a lot of the people I worked with and under over the years, I took a little bit of something, I think from each of them and just kind of made it my own. It became clear to me pretty early on. Um, you know, I was in college and all of my breaks and summers, I was right back on a framing crew until it got to the point where I didn't want to go back to school. I wanted to stay with the guys and keep framing. And that, that's actually what I did. I, I left school early and, you know, I had an apartment and a motorcycle and I had bills and I just, I kind of kept working and my father, he, you know, he it was like any dad, he wanted, wanted the best for me, but he did tell me something that resonated with me. And I, I tell my children the same thing. He told me once, you know, when I was trying to make that decision to uh, graduate or to keep working. And he said, Ryan, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And money is not everything. And that kind of stuck with me. It did. Like the, the money's there. The money comes. Um, and being better at what you do is only going to bring more. Right. And in this industry, time is money. So if you can do something faster than the other guy, you're going to make more money. That's just common sense. Um, I agree with the, that's that sense that if you, if you just work, the money will come. If you, if you get good at what you do and quit, quit looking around so much. And I, and it brings me back to your friend, uh, Tim, is that his name? Jay. 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 he he said he taught you how to hustle and i was my first framing boss definitely broke it into me like and i was watching uh, i was watching last samurai last night actually i'm gonna bring this all over the place but (laughs) but you know tom cruise is getting his ass kicked by the samurais he's this he's this colonial soldier who's Mm -hmm. in japan he's getting schooled they're training him because he's the prisoner and they're yep. good like that. And, and, and the, the guy stops and says too many things. And he's like, what do you mean? And he's like, you're thinking about this. You're thinking about this. And you're thinking about this. You need no thinks, just be here. 
And and my for my first boss was like, just stop thinking about everything. Just go. Just move. Just start. Ever. Just mm-hmm. just. And I didn't really get it for a while, but but I was over I was overthinking everything. I was overcompensating. I was trying to yeah. do too many things, and and that hustle came pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was fortunate. Yep. So. Yep. And 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 that, that's kind of gone a little bit by the wayside as well. Uh, you know, as of lately in the trades, some of the some of the younger guys coming up, they, they kind of have that lazy bone in them, which call it a generational thing. I, I'm not really sure what goes on there, but yeah, make up uh, what, what you don't know with go. That's what I always said. Like, if you're not sure what to do, do something and do it efficiently. Like sweep this house as fast as you can. Yeah. Look busy. Right. I mean, I don't want to see hands in pockets and, and the cell phones now, my, my goodness, that's something else all by itself. And we're all connected, you know, we're all, we're all guilty of it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of changed what things look like in a way, but there are a lot of great things still going on out there. I'm not saying they're not, cause I see them every day on uh, Instagram in particular, but even, even locally, there's, there's some great guys around here, some awesome tradesmen, you know, there's some amazing stonemasons and, uh, you know, one of my good friends is, uh, he's a plumber locally. He actually doesn't live far from here. So there's a lot of people still doing things right and, and taking pride in it. So it, it, it is good to see. My, uh, one of the things you just said reminded me, one of my friend's dads, when we were all young, trying to figure out what we're doing and he'd say, you know how to keep your boss happy? I'd say how? He'd say, walk fast and look worried. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> walk right. fast. I think <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um all right, let's do a little um little speed round action. Speed round. Yeah. Um let's do it. Best joke. Best joke. Oh, I definitely couldn't say that on here. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. I don't even know. I don't know a lot of jokes. This uh, that's a that's a stumper. I don't have one off the top of my head usually either. So yeah, right, usually fa- yeah. favorite tool. Uh, circular saw. Most useful tool. Hammer. No, framing square. <laughs> then the hammer. Uh, your where have you been all my life tool? Where have you been all my life tool? Uh, the new square gauges and they're all different shapes and sizes, a whole new world other than the old school hexagon brass ones. Mm. Those those are very, very useful. And there's a lot of different ones out there. Yeah. Yeah. You can really, what's lasers. that? Lasers. Lasers. Yeah, lasers. Yep. Mm. Love lasers. Best job site snacks. Best job site snacks. Beef jerky. Ooh, two in a row with the beef jerky. That was, <laughs> that was that's what Eric said yesterday too. That um, I, yeah, I would say venison jerky. I'm a deer hunter, so but yeah, same thing. That I, li- I like venison quite a bit. Um, yeah, me too. We don't have 
we don't have a deer in my area, but uh, but I really enjoy some venison. Okay. Best job site jams. Uh, 80s hair metal. 80s hair metal. Like absolutely any specific. I'm you know when I'm oh, when I'm poison motley crew, Duff Leopard, Cinderella, Skid Row. Yeah, we're throwing oh, it back. You, have you seen that Motley Crue uh, documentary on yeah. Netflix? Oh my god, yeah. that is ridiculous. Oh yeah, yeah. They did it my while life. they were still alive, so they could control the narrative, though. Yeah, I love at the end when they all come out of that the the trailer. Yeah, so yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna actually see some of those bands this summer. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We couldn't go for a couple of years because of the whole pandemic thing, but. Luckily, they all uh, stayed alive, so I'll get to see, I'll get to see Duff Leopard, Motley Crue, and Poison all at the same show. So I'm looking forward to it. I Sweet. like all music, though. But yeah, awesome. Yeah. good for you. I, I, yeah, that's great. Hey, is there anyone you want to give a shout out to? Oh boy, uh, no, I, I, yeah, Nick Ridge, which I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Nick's a good dude. I don't know if he'll listen to this. There's, there's a lot of good people on uh, Instagram. You know, Tim Mueller, awesome mm-hmm. framers, great dude. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, not really. You know, I, I try to keep things simple. Uh, although it might appear that I'm a social media guy, I'm really not. I'm, I'm kind of a shy person, and it's, it's hard sometimes to keep up with posting and uh, – you know, it's hard to answer everybody, and it's it's a, it's a remarkable, amazing thing. But yeah, there's every day I go on there, my my mind is blown. I'll, I just see amazing work, and it's awesome. It's it's so great to see. It's it's actually inspirational, right? It keeps my fire burning. I'm like, man, these guys are awesome. Like, I got to get better. These guys are killing it. So that I like that aspect of it, but. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, they're killing it doing the work and with their posting, their elaborate posts. It's like, oh, uh, unreal. What? How do you do all that? Yeah, that's what I say. Like, where this guy finds the time, he's just an absolute, (laughs) and there's so many of them. Just absolute maniacs. Like, the work is there, the the editing, the filming. It's like, geez, I am way subpar. Well, one thing I've learned along the way is that if I focus on one thing at a time, I get, I'm better. But if I get too spread thin, if I'm trying to do too many things, I can multitask supposedly, you know, in a way, but I'm not, it's not yeah. efficient. My, yeah. I need, I need to focus. Uh, amen, so. brother. I am right there with you. My wife would totally disagree with the multitasking thing. Because I think I can multitask with the best of them, but she would disagree. But I, I'm the same with you. I have to, I got to be in it. You know, I got to stay focused. And if I get too many things going on my plate or in my, my head at one time, then my production will suffer and my concentration is gone. And then obviously not as much as getting done. So that's a, a very true statement. I agree with it. And so think, keeping things simple, I think, is important mm-hmm. too. People like to overcomplicate things. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, what we all do for a living in the trades, it's not rocket science. I mean, there's some thought, but if you have some common sense, you know, and you spend the time doing it, it's it's not really difficult. 
to master. That's really not. Yeah, you got to put the time in, and simple is good. You know, when you think about food, it's the, the <laughs> exactly. simplest, the simplest thing to eat is yeah. usually the best. I agree. Hey, well, I really appreciate you being on today. This has been oh, a, yeah. this has been a kick, and and uh, I think people it was are an honor. Enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. Glad um, glad to be a part of it. Do you think that Do you think the people out there listening today should leave us a review? yeah 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 leave a review for sure very cool yeah it was it was it was a pleasure i appreciate it mike for having me like really and sorry it was so hard to get a hold of me there for a little while Mm. it's a busy time of year for me with the kids (laughs) (laughs) and work and everything else just imagine me trying to track down contractors every week to do stuff like this i don't know how you do it (laughs) well ryan i'm gonna let you get back to sunday and and i'd love to catch up well we'll just got to keep in touch it's been a, yeah we'll stay in touch for sure it's been a it's been really fun talking to you today yeah 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 you're a cool cat man i like your views i like what you got going on i'm proud of you dude this is cool thank you yeah all right enjoy the rest of your day you too take care all right see ya you guys can find pictures of ryan's work at roofslayer2681 on instagram or on the contracting handbook on Instagram. Even if you don't have Instagram, you can just do a search for it and find it. Thanks to all you for listening today. And thanks for all the shares on social media. Thanks to my crew who listens weekly. A shout out to all you. But specifically goes to Paul Erdell of Erdell Contracting in Edmonton, Alberta. Paul, thanks for all the interactions and support you've given me with the pod and your drive home videos, tell me what you think. But in particular, during Women's History Month and Women in Construction in March on the podcast, you posted that story with you and your little girl listening to Ella Starr on the pod, and I just love that, man. Thank you. Like I said, you're a good dad. All right, you guys, write those reviews. We'll catch you all next week with Eric Ruggiero of Biophilic Build. That's all I got. Later. Yeah, it's it's awesome what you're doing. It's great. Like, we need more of this. It's so, it's refreshing. It's very cool. Very, very cool. Thank you.